McNeil, there's, there's so much truth in this passage that we can take these threads and pull them together. But this one verse sort of gives us a little bit of insight. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Some of you will take this challenge. Some of you are going to say the preacher's crazy. Some of you are just going to ignore it. But here's the challenge. Sometime either this afternoon or this evening, as soon as possible, read through the book of Ephesians. Read straight through the whole book. And then come back and read from chapter 2 through about where our text is. And then read a little bit of a smaller passage and keep just zoning in, focusing in until you get to this text to get a deeper understanding because this context is what helps us understand this one verse. But in this verse, I want you to see three things the church needs you to do. Number one, the church needs you to use the gift that the Spirit has given you. The church needs you to use the gift that the Spirit has given you. Look in verse 16. From whom, referring to Christ, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, look at this phrase, by that which every joint supplieth. By that which how many joints? Every joint supplieth. Every joint supplieth. Now, we could look at a number of passages of Scripture. But the truth of Scripture is this, that God has given a measure of grace and faith to every believer with a gift to be used for the glory of God and for the building of the church. Every believer. Now, I've had people, I have had Christians argue me up and down on this. Preacher, I just don't think I've got one. I don't know what mine is. I've wondered for years what mine is, and I don't know what it is. Well, I, I don't know why you don't know what it is, and maybe God will reveal with you to you at that particular moment when you need to know. But I do know this. I know what the word every means. I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, but I know that every means every. Look back in verse 7. But unto every, y'all, y'all see that? Every one of us. How many is every one of us? Every one of us, all of us. So how many of you who are believers got a gift of service from God? Y'all can say it. It's not hard. It's three letters. All, all of us got, every one of us got a gift from God. Every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Romans chapter 12 and verse 7, he says the same thing. The measure of faith that is given to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there, and he's, he makes a very similar statement, and then he follows it up in each place with a slightly different list. So we know that these are not conclusive lists, but he mentions all the different, some of the different gifts that are given. There's the gift of administration. There's the gift of faith. There's the gift of giving. There's the, the, the gift of evangelism or sharing the gospel. And every one of those gifts is in an area that a believer is supposed to do. I can never say, I don't have that gift, so I can't do it. I can never have the, say, I don't have the gift of service, so good luck out there with the work. Or I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't have to give. Or I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm not responsible to share the gospel. Every one of these is things we're all supposed to do. But God gives a special measure of grace and faith in these areas to every single believer for them to use to do what? To contribute to the body of Christ, to strengthen the body of Christ. Use the gift that God gives you. That phrase there is, Every joint supplieth. 
The body is holy. The whole body is fitly joined together and compacted. It is framed together. Sometimes you see this more often in maybe older buildings where they, they cut the wood so that the beams go together. And they fit together so that if anything pulls apart, they actually, it strengthens and it tightens it. It is fitly framed together. It is compacted. It is held together. Why? By every joint, every part of the body contributing to what is going on. Paul talks about this in Corinthians. You know that's, that passage where he has this imaginary conversation sort of humorously between different parts of the body. The eye cannot say to the ear, you're not important because you're not the eye. And we laugh about that, and it's sort of funny to think about. But think about a body of different parts of the body decided not to participate. The different parts of the body said, well, I'm not necessary. What if this morning when I got up, my right foot had said, I'm not that important. You got two of me. You got a left foot. We'll let the left foot carry the load for a while. And so I get up, and my left foot stays home. I can guarantee you all this ain't going to happen. This isn't going to work long. This illustration is going to be a short illustration. What if my left hand said, hey, you got two hands. You can see I'm already wobbling. My left foot's starting to, why? Because it's having to do the work of the other part of the body. My left hand says, I'm going to stay home. What if my eyes said, you know what, we're really tired this morning. I don't feel like opening up. And they did say that. They literally said, I don't feel like opening up this morning. So what if my eyes were closed and so now, you see what's beginning to happen? The body, the rest of the body that's trying to carry the load is weakened because it's having to carry the load for every other part of the body. And Paul says, no part of the body can say I'm not important. You see, there's two, there's two ways we can go with this. Sometimes there's the idea when we think about our gift that God has given to us, well, my gift's more important than other people's gifts. But Paul nails that in Romans chapter 12. What does he say? He says, I, I say to you not to let any man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. There's a danger of thinking, boy, the church just couldn't do without me. Someone has said that the way to test this is get a bucket of water, stick your finger in, and pull it out. And the hole that you leave is how much you'll be missed. That's a little bit of a humbling thought, isn't it? Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. On the other hand, there can be this idea of, well, my, my gift's not that important. What I do is not as significant as maybe what the pastor does or what that teacher does or that singer does and the very visible things that take place. And, oh, that's the important things. But Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think soberly. According as God has given to every man the measure of faith. We're to say, God, what is it you have gifted me to do? How can I use my gift? How can this joint in the body supply something to strengthen the body. The church needs you to use the gift that God has given you. But notice another phrase here. God needs you, the church needs you, to undertake the work that the Spirit has given you. And notice the Spirit's the one that does this. It's the Spirit that gives the gifts. It's the Spirit that assigns the work. But look in the end of verse 16. We are working, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We are edified. Edifying of itself. Now, the word edify simply means to build up, but we're not talking about just building up somebody's self-esteem or their ego. It's not just saying, you know, hey, nice, love that tie you're wearing. It's great. Or, you know, what a, what a wonderful dress you have on. Or It's not just saying this, or you did just such a great job. Or 
patting someone on the back, although there's a place for that to encourage people and to be a blessing to people. That's not the building up we're talking about. This is building one another up in love. This is building one another up in a spirit of love, but building them up in the love of God and their relationship with God, their communion with God. You see how these two things work together? Our communion with God affects our communion with others. And our desire for communion with others is about our communion with God. And so we want to edify them. We want to build them up spiritually. Do the people that you encounter, do the people that you know, become stronger spiritually from having been around you and knowing you than they would have if they didn't know you? Are you edifying? When we come together, do we just pass each other by? Let me tell you, there are people all through our congregation who need a word of encouragement. They need to have their faith strengthened. Now, I don't mean preaching a sermon at them. I'll take care of that. We got that covered. I'm talking about encouraging them in the faith, letting them know that they are loved. Sometimes the best way to tell somebody that they are loved is not to say anything at all. It's just to listen, to hear what they have to say, to come along and sit down beside them. We need to edify. How does the church, how is the church built up? There's a lot of things about the church growing. And many times churches will get focused on one aspect of growth. But someone has said, written years ago, the church grows warmer through fellowship. We want to grow warmer through fellowship. The church grows deeper through discipleship. We put our roots down. That's what he talks about in verse 14. We come to the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we're not tossed about to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. We're to be rooted. We're to be followers of Christ. It grows deeper through discipleship. It grows stronger through worship. Man, let me just say, I have loved this morning as we have, well, we're worshiping now through receiving the Word of God, but to worship through the music this morning and to worship together, that grows, the church grows stronger. The church grows broader through ministry, and it grows larger through outreach, through evangelism. We don't get to pick and choose one of those things. We are to edify one another in love. And by using the gift that God has given to us, that the Spirit has given to us, in the task that the Spirit has given to us. But there's a third phrase here, and this is the absolute most important. We are to use the gift that the Spirit gives us. We're to undertake the work He gives us, but we are to unleash the power that the Spirit gives us. Here's the key phrase right in the middle of the verse that is the key to both of the others. In verse 16, according to the effectual working in the measure of how many parts? Every part. You get the idea that Paul wants this passage to be for every Christian, don't you? Every part. The key words here are the effectual working. The, 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 the word there, effectual, has to do with engaging in an activity with a special focus on the power that makes it possible. What is it that makes our work for God possible? What is it that makes it possible for me, a lowly sinner, as Paul would say, the chief of sinners, to, to be able to somehow, how could I possibly with my lack of ability and lack of gifts and all the things that I don't have, how can I possibly contribute to the health and the growth and the strength of our church? I can only do it through the power of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us. 
Oswald Chambers said, the goal of faithfulness is not that we do work for God, but it is that God does work through us. It's a powerful statement. The goal of faithfulness is not that I am doing work for God. It is that he will be free to do his work through me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, without me, you are at a serious disadvantage. Is that what that verse said? You remember that in John 15? That's not what he said. See, I'm, I'm, I'm testing. See how many of y'all are still awake. Some of y'all, yeah, that's what it said. Amen. We are at a serious disadvantage, but that's not what Jesus said. That's the way we treat that verse. Man, if we, if we don't have the power of God, we're just going to limp by. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You know what nothing means? It means nothing. You see these words in the Bible, they mean what they say. Every means every, and nothing means nothing. And we must have the power of the Holy Spirit unleashed within us. And I use that word not because I'm seeking something outside of me to come on me. I'm seeking for what is within me to flow through me. The Holy Spirit indwells me, and I am looking for Him to empower me as I use the gift that the Holy Spirit gave me. And I'm doing the work that He's called me to, and I need His power to accomplish it. It's not a matter, as some seem to think, of being passive and God just sort of using us as puppets. It's not me trying to do my little part over here and, okay, God, here's this part over here. No, it is me doing what God has given me to do, empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit of God. That is why we cry out, God, we need you. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the promise given to the disciples. And ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That effectual working for what I do in the church to make any difference, for what you do in the church to make any difference. You are a part of the community of the church, and God has given you a role to play. But for you to fulfill that task and that role, you must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. When I stand here to preach, I must be filled with the Spirit. When choir members, you get up to sing, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Those who are serving in our technology and the sound and the video, they need to be filled with the Spirit. Those who are greeting as they come in, us as we worship, as we share the gospel, as we teach a class, everything that we do must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. All is vain unless the Spirit of God comes down. That's why he says it's an effectual working. It's an activity that we're engaged in, but with a focus on the power that makes it possible. That's why it's effectual. It accomplishes something. You see, we can be all very busy doing a lot of work. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of events. There's a lot of outreach. There's a lot of ministry. There's a lot of very good things that God has given us to do and called us to do. And in this year ahead, there will be more things and more tasks and more work for each one of us to have a part of. But it will all be empty, and it will all be useless, and it will all be futile, and the world can drive by and say, there is a bunch of religious people who are busy doing religious work and will be no different from any other group of religious people who are busy doing religious work. What I'm praying for 
And what I'm asking God for is for what God does through us to be so powerful and empowered by the Holy Spirit that the world will stop and they will say, look what God is doing. Look what He is doing. And when that happens, then we'll see what takes place and what He mentions in Ephesians 3, 21. Unto Him be glory in the church. Unto Him be glory in the church. That's why we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Not so for we'll feel a tingle up our spine. Not so our work will be easier, but so God will get the glory. We've got to be completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. How fervently are you praying and seeking the power of the Holy Spirit in your life personally? How faithfully are you praying and asking God to fill you? I want to be like how fellow described D.L. Moody one time. D.L. Moody was getting ready to go preach crusades in Great Britain. There was a meeting of pastors who were preparing for him to come. And one old pastor, old crusty fella, stood up and he said, why do we need this Moody? Who does he think he is? He's not educated. He's, he's basic, almost practically illiterate. Who does he think he is? Does, does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? One dear old brother stood up and he said, No, Mr. Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. We need to pray that God has a monopoly on Central Baptist Church. And if God's going to have a monopoly on Central Baptist Church, it's going to happen when God's people allow the Spirit to have a monopoly on us. The power of the Spirit at work through us. Spirit power working through Spirit-filled people using Spirit-given gifts to do a Spirit-given work. Father, I pray that you'll speak to us this morning. Give us a heart and a desire for your power to seek after you, to see Christ, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit so that his power may be unleashed through us, not so we will do work for you, but so that you will do your work through us. Lord, that's what our church needs. And we seek it and we pray for it.